July 31st, 2019. Mo Facts with Adam Curry. This is episode number one. Hey, Mo. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. So, there you go. I figured out the title of the show. All right, what'd you come up with? Mo Facts with Adam Curry. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Yeah, you already got the brand on the YouTube channel, so... And everywhere else. I appreciate that, and I... I I appreciate you being humble to let me uh, lead on the on the um, marquee. Well, you have you have to lead on the marquee. So this we're trying something new here. Um, this is a brand new show. This is the uh, the pilot, the premiere episode number one. And a little background: um, why I received an email from Mo. I don't know, maybe a couple months ago, and uh, he explain he yeah, he's a listener to the no of the no agenda show. And he said, uh, you know, if you really want to know what uh, ADOS is about, and I think I talked about DOS, <laughs> Descendants of Slavery, because I kept seeing that pop up here and there, but I really didn't have a clue as to what was what was going on. And uh, so we started, uh, actually, I was on my honeymoon. That's what it was. And uh, we were DMing back and forth on uh, on Twitter, and I was DMing with you, I think, all the way back to uh, to Texas. On the plane, you know, we had Wi-Fi, so we're DMing back and forth, and I was like, holy crap, this guy, is he's opening up a whole new world for me. I had no idea this existed. And then we started chatting a bit, and uh, you know, these phone calls would uh, often last uh, an hour, and uh, I'd take some of what I'd learned and take it over to the No Agenda show, and uh, finally I said, you know, this is, we should maybe record this. You know, this, uh, I, if I'm getting something out of it, and you're getting something out of it, maybe other people will. You want to tell the story from your side, Mo? Because we never really talked about that. So, you it was uh, following the HR forty. Um, oh right, the uh, the rep- yeah the HR the reparations uh, hearing, mm-hmm. and you were shining light on it. But one thing that was missing from the the story that you did was uh, ADOS, right. which ADOS is the reason why the whole reparations talk has kicked up. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. And I wanted to bring attention to that. And I also wanted to bring attention to um, the fact that it's not ADOS is like a brand of what what is called foundational blacks, native blacks. Uh, there's several different uh, titles or names going around for black people that are descendants of slavery, American slavery. And that's very important because, like you said, you brought up DOS. But even after the term DOS came about, ADOS bloomed from that because we need to be very specific if we're talking about getting rights um, and getting reparations from America. So um, I thought I would fill in the blanks that were left out by the mainstream media. And I think that was the goal was to leave ADOS out of the mainstream media. So uh, I think you guys are. If, correct me if I'm wrong, like a derivative, derivative of the mainstream re- media. And if, if it's not there and for you guys to pick it, pull it out. Then we can't then get you, it. You're you, absolutely you right. Right. You can't address it. So absolutely. I thought it was my duty to, you know what I'm saying, reach out to you and, you know, be boots on the ground. And like you said, we talked, we DM for like, seemed like days. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. uh, sorry, Tina. I'm sorry about that. But. <laughs> like, like some <laughs> odd lovers, like, ooh, I'm DMing my man. Yeah. Right. So, um, and I think you were very receptive to, you know, uh, the information that I was giving you and you did it justice on the following show. And from there, I thought, you know, I will keep providing you what's really going on that the mainstream media is not talking about. 
And so as we were as we were talking, uh, then these conversations just kept getting more interesting, and I I was blown away because um, unless you are given a, a couple of data points, you really wouldn't know that there's been this shift over the years uh, to address. Uh, I'll just call black people. It's just easier. That's ADOS in my mind, but um, right. that term or uh, people of color or uh, even African Americans. Since Barack Obama, we know we know we know that African American didn't really mean anymore what it meant because uh, Barack Obama was not African American. He was not strictly ADOS. Correct, and it, that's correct. And I think the term black at one time in this country meant one thing. But over time, due to um, mass uh, immigration from Africa, as well as uh, other factors, that the term black no longer represents uh, what was once identified as uh, descendants of slavery, of American slavery. Right. So that's where uh, I have to give credit where credit due. Uh, Yvette Carnell and Tone Talks, uh, Antonio Moore, coined this term slash hashtag, and it really stuck. And it gave us uh, descendants of slaves uh, from America something to rally around. But they're not the only brand in town. So I want to be clear of that. But I think they have the the most popular brand branding of the term. Uh, and it's a very unpopular. I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you. It's very unpopular that we want to separate ourselves from the monolithic, you know, monolith of, uh, of blackness. That, uh, that the mass media wants to point Panis as. And it's not just mass media. It's it, if you listen to the American government, they really don't even think about this. They don't see the separation. It, it's more like, yeah, I mean, uh, what we were talking the other day about uh, the Congressional Black Caucus. Uh, in my mind, it's like, oh, great. We, so we got the Congressional Black Caucus over there. That's all going to be ADOS. No, no, no. Elon Omar is in the Congressional Black Caucus. Correct. And it's a lot. It's very. And I want to make it clear that there's not there is a rift between ADOS and some black immigrants, but other black immigrants are being supportive and they're termed as allies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're being, <laughs> oh, what a politically correct term. Oh, good. Right, right. And that's the term that, you know, if you're for uh, American uh, descendants of slave receiving reparations from America, they consider allies. But there is another faction that feel like if we separate ourselves from um, from the term black, then they lose a little bit of um, how can I say this? Um, Sympathy is a bad word, but, you know, whenever people use the term black, it's, a, you know, it's used as a leverage lever- leveraging tool mm-hmm. uh, in politics. So, you know, right. we're going to address this black thing or that black thing. Yes, yes. Well, you, you, and they use that. You mentioned reparations, and you're right. That That's how we started talking over the H.R. 40 bill, which was really a, a bill uh, put in place to start investigating the idea of reparations. And, um, you know, you said a couple of things. Cause, you know, reparations is a, is a complicated thing, uh, but it depends on how you look at it. Essentially, we just had a huge 9-11 reparations bill. I mean, a really, right. really big one. We're talking 50, 60, 70 billion dollars um, and above and beyond insurance and other things. And I personally think that might have been a, an insurance bailout in a way, certainly for the airline industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the term where you use the phrase 
that uh, reparations would be payment for services rendered. And I really like that because you can interpret that in so many different ways. Services rendered to the Democrats, the Democrat Party, uh, services rendered as slaves. I mean, there's many different ways to interpret it. Um, and, you know, a lot of people like, oh, reparations. Yeah, no, we shouldn't do it. Maybe we should. It's a lot of discussion. But when you see what kind of reparations have been paid to um, to all kind people of all kinds of tragedies, um, it's, it's very interesting to look at... Uh, the uh, reparations for ADOS and see that really that's, I don't, I don't know if there's a lot of movement, if people really understand what they want, if there's a real ask, you know, is there a number? Maybe that's what HR 40 is intended to do is to come down to a number. What do you think ADOS wants? Okay. So there is a number. I mean, there's a range of numbers. Uh, When you talk about the hardcore, um, what they call, you know, um, reparation pushers, or demanders, they're talking in the trillions of dollars. Yeah, multiple tri- multiple trillions up to I've heard numbers high as twenty trillion dollars. And how do they calculate uh, that? Uh, so that's funny that you asked that. If you watched the uh, debate last night, oh, funny you say that. I have the clip of Marianne Williamson. <laughs> let me. Let All me, right, you, you want to play that? Then? Yeah, then I, we can... I do because uh, now I've heard her talk reparations before. Of all, we've also you and I have discussed her doing you know kind of weird stuff in the church which uh, seems a little uh, uh, off message if, if you're trying to reach a certain group of people um mm-hmm. but last and the, we're doing this on uh, on uh, Wednesday July 31st so the first of the of the second round of democratic candidate candidate debates uh was held and Marianne Williamson finally got it out all in one go and i have to say even though she is unlikely to have any chance of becoming president but maybe she does crazier things have happened uh mm-hmm. i thought this was spot on message and cruising along twitter today I, I didn't see as many people picking up on it the way i guess i did here she is marianne williamson speaking of reparations miss williams miss williamson many of your opponents support a commission to study the issue of reparations for slavery but you are calling for up to 500 billion dollars in financial assistance what makes you qualified to determine how much is owed in reparations well first of all it's not 500 billion dollars in financial assistance it's 500 billion dollars 200 to 500 billion dollars payment of a debt that is owed that is what reparations is we need some deep truth telling when it comes. We don't need another commission to look at evidence. I appreciate what uh, Congressman O'Rourke has said. It is time for us to simply realize that this country will not heal. All that a country is is a collection of people. People heal when there's some deep truth telling. We need to recognize that when it comes to the economic gap between blacks and whites in America, it does come from a great injustice that has never been dealt with. That great injustice has had to do with the fact that there was 250 years of slavery followed by another 100 100 years of domestic terrorism. What makes me qualified to say 200 to 500 billion dollars? I'll tell you what makes me qualified. If you did the math of the 40 acres and a mule, given that there was four to five million slaves at the end of, of of the Civil War, fortified, and they were all promised 40 acres and a mule for every family of four. If you did the math today, it would be trillions of dollars. And I believe that anything less than $100 billion is, is an insult. And I believe that 200 to 500 billion is, is politically feasible today because so many Americans realize there is an injustice that continues to form a toxicity underneath the surface, an emotional turbulence Ms. that Williamson, only reparations Thank will you be. very much. Well, there you go. There's your calculation. 
Right. And that's the funny thing is that whoever's coaching her on this topic has her spot on. Yeah. She has her she has her finger on the pulse of what's being discussed on what you want to call black YouTube, black Twitter, or Emerson. And- <laughs> yeah, I'm on gray Twitter at this point. You know, I got I got some <laughs> black Twitter coming into my feed, but uh I but I didn't see a lot about it, Mo. Of course you're not gonna see a lot about it because First of all, the numbers make very pe- make people very uncomfortable. And even herself, she has to dial it back. And I don't think she can make herself even, not her personally, but her campaign to say the T word, trillion. Right. So they have to say 500 million, But isn't that interesting? We, we've, we've got other candidates talking trillions of dollars for health care. And for the, no one has a problem with the trillion number. Just in this specific case, they do. Well, just look at the definition of what they're using as reparation. Uh, even uh, Don Lemon said uh, assistance, and I'm glad she uh, corrected, yeah, she corrected him, on him that. there. Yes, that it's was good. Not assistance, and this well, is where I come in. She she used the she says it's a debt to uh, payments owed. I think, but it's kind of similar to what you said. You know, services rendered. Uh, it's money that is owed, is what she said. Correct, and that's what I want people to fully understand is. This is how uh, descendants of slaves, American descendants of slaves, look at this. Our great, 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 great grandparents, depending on how far or how old you are, render services to this nation. I mean, by force, but we still render services and we were, they were never um, uh, paid back for that. So it's not an assistance program. You know, it's um, payment for this, the, the, the work, the hard work they did to get this country off the ground. So when they want to say assistance, that is very insulting because it's not assistance. You want to make that makes it seem like welfare or any other governmental program. No, right? Is, yes, words do matter in this case. Absolutely. And and I like I said, whoever's coaching her or whoever's informing her or whoever's in her corner, Oprah, of course. Right? They have her spot on, and, and I was like blown back. I was like, when she, when she first started out, I'm like, okay. You know, she she went there. She said, no, not assistance. This is this is, you know, and the other thing she said is um, not just talk about it. And, and that's what H.R. 40 is about. And that assistance is important because, as you and I have discussed uh, previously, affirmative action, uh, which was, as far as I know, really intended for the then unbranded ADOS, has turned into something much, much broader. That's correct. Um uh, white women, women in general, uh, uh, immigrants of all ilk uh, take advantage of this. And even programs that are set aside for even black people, uh, they factor in African immigrants that came here uh, or Caribbean you know, immigrants that came here after slavery. And I think that's a poor representation because, say, I don't know what the exact numbers are, but say if you have 7% ADOS or 8% ADOS and 5% uh immigrants post uh rep- I mean, post slavery but then you have them overrepresented in uh colleges universities uh places of employment uh scholarship dollars that's a that's not a, how um affirmative action was set up to work it was set up as probably uh as a repayment of um of for for what happened during slavery so I, you know, I I've watched Yvette on YouTube. Uh, I watched I watched uh, Antonia Moore. Um, it, how big is this ADOS movement? Do you think, and how divided, if at all, is the is uh, our direct 
American descendants of slavery on this issue. It's big enough to be a problem for the Democrats. Well, and no, think, no kidding. You can see that. And, and that's the leverage point. Um, what we really have to look at is how we got here. Uh, I've sent you some clips on that. Yeah. Um, and how we got here, funny, is because of the election of Donald Trump. Okay. Uh, and, and the and the 2016, uh, the whole campaign process. Um, so if you want to play uh, Hillary Clinton, Hillary, Hillary Clinton targeting uh, black votes, it's a campaign ad. Uh, uh, we can. Let me see. Is that the first clip you have here? No, 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 no. It should say add. Uh, I'm getting. Oh, yeah, I got it here. Okay, here we go. This is the newspaper of the Ku Klux Klan today. The front page story is Make America Great Again with a big photo of Donald Trump. This the light of mine. Will you unequivocally condemn David Duke and say that you don't want his vote or that of other white supremacists in this election? I don't know anything about white supremacy or white supremacists, so I don't know. Trump management was charged with discriminating against African-Americans and breaking federal law. If I were starting off today, I would love to be a well-educated black because I really believe they do have an actual advantage. I have a great relationship with the black. Oh, look at my African-American over here. Look at him. Uh, the man that was, uh, I don't know, you say roughed up, he was so obnoxious. Maybe he should have been roughed up. Why doesn't he show his birth certificate? Why do you have to lose? You're living in poverty. Your schools are no good. You have no job. 58% of your youth is unemployed. The violence, the death, the lack of education in these inner cities, it's unsafe. You can't walk to the store and get a loaf of bread. You get shot. Total poverty, drugs, and horrible, horrible violence. What do you have to lose? Wait a minute. This was a Hillary Clinton ad? Yes. What? <laughs> oh, my goodness. That, yes. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, break this down because I, I I understand what you're saying here. First of all, if you notice the music choice. Yep. It was pandering to the spirituality of black people. This little light of mine. And this is this pandering that the Democrats do. It is struck of nerve and, you know, and it's gotten to a boiling point with black certain uh, factions of black people that has become very noticeable. It's similar to how when they speak with the black minister voice when they come to talk to black people and uh, crowds of black people. Also, the fear mongering, you know, it's like, oh, if you don't vote for us, the, the boogeyman is going to get you. But when you listen to Trump in that ad, a lot of the things that he says are the result of Hillary Clinton and the Democrats policies. The conditions of the black community. What do you have to lose? Now, I think we brought that up in a conversation that resonated with black people and black Twitter, black. I'm going to say this about black Twitter and black YouTube. And it was a lot of YouTube content, content creators. I know that that, that term gets at you, but <laughs> they started right. even event on uh, Carnell. She made a very, uh, very good video listing to things. What we didn't have to lose. I mean, we're at the bottom right now. Um, and that's I think this was a poor ad because it was she was very tone deaf that how this thing could come back on her. Well, in, in fact, n not just a poor ad, but it seems like it would have the adverse effect. Reinforce what Trump said. What have you got to lose with a big echo, too? I like that at the end there. Right. <laughs> um, so, so I'll, just to break down 
One thing, it was a bad idea for her to bring up the birth of the attack on Obama mm-hmm. when her when her and her uh, husband was labeled as the racist in 2008. Well, well, but that's kind of a thing. I mean, I've I've looked back over the, you know, going back to, um, uh, well, certainly Bush Jr. The president's all certainly white guys always called racist somewhere. Right. But the thing was, in 2008, she was that racist when she was running against Barack Obama. Right. Because Bill Clinton, quote, this guy would have been carrying our bags. And then a few years ago, this guy would have been getting us coffee. Uh, and then you've got Hillary citing uh, the June uh, 1968 assassination of Robert F. Kennedy oh, for, right. yeah. for her uh, remaining in this uh, in the in the uh, presidential when the odds were against her. So what I'm saying is when you juxtapose her record against Trump record, a lot of Black Americans said, "What is the difference?" You know, so. And and you th- and I don't the numbers are never really clearly explained, but it seems like Trump did get a boost in in black votes from from that. Yeah, yes, he did. Um, he got a boost, and it's the thing that we discussed. I don't think it's widely discussed. Is the what I term is the negative vote. If you can make a person stay at home that would normally vote especially the turnout that um, Barack Obama saw in 2008 and 2012 by making people think, I mean, like I said, when you at, when he asked that question, I really had to sit down and look like, what do we have to lose? We had a president for, you know, for eight years, that was supposed to be for us. And we got nothing out of it. Nothing. So that was the real um, question. Like, what do we have to lose? And Democrats, what are you going to give us? And that was the birth of the reparation. And I know it's a long shaggy dog story, but that is how reparations the argument came about because it's like, oh, now we have your attention. Now you need us. Got you know? it. Got it. Yep. Right. So now that's the leveraging. You know, it like, and I know people are like, why are they, why are they not attaching the Republicans? Why are they attaching Democrats? Because black, the black society, black community has wholeheartedly voted for Democrats for a very long time and you want to bring citizen, non-citizens here promised them things. Every other group promised them things, but we're just supposed to turn out. And I have other clips that's going to support that, but I'll let you take the lead. Well, I was, uh, and I definitely want to go there. I had two questions. Uh, just one a little off topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a black man, when you hear Trump say, where's my African-American? There he is. How does that come across to you? How does it come across to yeah. me? Does that come across to you as like an old guy who's just racist and pandering? Does it come across as a guy who was like, uh, I don't know. I mean, that's that's the question. To me, it felt, and I think to a lot of white people, it was like, what a dick. Don't say it like that, you idiot. It's wrong. Right. So how it came across to me is an old white guy. Yeah. That, I mean, that's how it came across to me. Um did it sit well with me? Not really. Okay. But like I said, we have to look at this. Elections are a choice between two people. It's not the perfect candidate. It's between two people. And Democrats gave us nothing to um to go vote for them for. And, and really, and I'm going to be honest with you, there's a sentiment in the black community that illegal immigration is harmful to us. Certain think Planned Parenthood is harmful to us. 
So when you have a guy talking like Trump is talking, you won't openly say, oh, y'all support this guy. But it's like, you know what I'm saying? Case Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, you know what I'm saying? Whatever will be, will be. That's kind of, you know, you know, when you, you know, compare the two. So. Well, I, you know, there's, there's such a pushback against uh, ADOS. Um, in, in fact, you know, at, at a certain point, I think that kind of launched on Joy Reid show on MSNBC. Uh, all these hashtag ADOS was, oh, it's just Russian bots and <laughs> don't worry about it. That's really nothing to see here, which was very odd. I mean, besides it being factually untrue. Um, but there's, I think, you know, there is a big... Certainly in mainstream media, there's this just it seems like it's covering up, pushing back, doesn't exist. Um, even though they uh, a lot of mainstream people will use similar term. Actually, what I'm getting to is I saw and this is, I guess, the guy who's most again or uh, a big issue for the ADOS movement. I saw him on MSNBC the other day. It was very odd in the midday with uh, Stephanie Rule. Charlemagne the God. And yes. Charlemagne the God is a very influential guy amongst uh, black America. And the reason why he's influential becomes apparent when you just hear his credits. Joining me now, the one and only Charlemagne the God. His radio show, The Breakfast Club, is syndicated in 90 markets across the nation. That means 8 million listeners a month. His audience is 77% African American or Hispanic. That makes up nearly one-third of the Democratic Party electorate. This man has interviewed half of the 2020 Democratic contenders for president, and I promise you, the other half need know that they need to pay him a visit. Charlemagne, I'm really glad you're here with me today. Thank you for having me. So he's got a lot of radio stations. This is a, a big audience, certainly for radio. I think The Breakfast Club is incredibly popular. Um, but he is... You know, really seems like the op i don't know what his background is but he seems very much against this idea right and and i think he's becoming a this is just my personal opinion i think he's becoming a political operative the thing is this and and actually Charlemagne the guy got a lot of pushback because he's like pro um, kamala harris yes and, and kamala harris is not seen as ados well, she's not. She's strictly right, not. Right. She's Jamaican I mean, and Indian. <clears throat> that's correct. So what what's happening is, it, I want you to notice a trend here. Kamala Harris. She's not very strong on the reparations talk. She had to be pulled kind of by her nose into the conversation. Uh, you have like you brought up Joy Reid. She's not a DOS. Right. Called us black bots. You know, you, <laughs> black so bots. You, you ha- right. <laughs> so you have uh, excuse me, Russian bots, but no, you I, have I like black me- bots better. <laughs> right. And then you have these media blackout of the word ADOS. I mean, come on. You have you've heard the term Bernie Bernie Bros. Yes. You heard the term of these other political factions, but you never have heard once the word ADOS or foundational blacks or if even the fact that there's an uprising in the black community. All right. Well, so saying st- that we won't vote. Well, so. Right there, and, and I want you to get into your clips. Isn't that, by definition, some racist movement? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it's it's. But who's pushing it? It's the Democrats. I mean, look if you if you're not pro Democrat, you don't have a voice. And I, and I, this is kind of off the subject, but 
Even Colin Kaepernick felt the wrath. And I wish I would have had this clip available. I, mean, I could tell you what happened. He was, man, he was like the golden boy, uh, taking a knee, fighting the NFL, everything. But when he came out and said, I'm not going to vote for neither Hillary Clinton or, or um, Donald Trump, obviously, they, they, um, they basically Dropped did a media blackout on him. Because he didn't Let's, say, yeah, I'm all in for Hillary. You have to be all in and you have to be all in for the party choice. Um, you got the same thing with any Bernie Sanders um, voters. If you, um, it's, you have to toe the party line because they need us to turn out. Um, and if you want to go to, uh, let's see, let's go to the Obama, uh, and Hillary campaign for black votes. Okay. If I hear anybody saying they're this is the one you're talking about yes this is it okay hold on if i hear anybody saying their vote does not matter that it doesn't matter who we elect read up on your history it matters we've got to get people to vote in fact if you want to give michelle and me a good send-off and that was a beautiful video but don't just watch us walk off into the sunset now get people registered to vote if you care about our legacy Realize everything we stand for is at stake. All the progress we've made is at stake in this election. My name may not be on the ballot, but our progress is on the ballot. All right. So listen to the tone. It's, okay, let me give you a little background. This is Obama at the NAACP 106 uh, National Convention uh, pre the, pre-election 2016. And I want people to notice, listen at the tone of how he's talking to black people. Oh, yeah, he's totally talking black. He, and not only that, but listen to the tone, how he's talking down to them. If I hear anybody say, it's yeah. like, what? <laughs> who, who are you talking to like this? I mean, ser- this is how this thing was, was received. Like, she put him out there like, oh, yeah, work your Obama magic. Get him back in line. Everybody had to fall in line. Hmm. And, and like you said, he said, um, um, uh, the question is how how ha, how has our vote mattered up until this point? We've elected you for eight years. You, you until your last years when mass incarceration came out of your mouth. You know, I'm I'm gonna go there. This was a sentiment, and I'm gonna give y'all a little inside baseball and saying into black politics. When Barack Obama was, was was elected in 2008, the sentiment was, hey, he can't he can't do nothing the first term, okay? You know, got to play it cool. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. He's got to, uh, uh, brother Barack got to ease in. Right. He got to play it cool. But if we get him in, in um, 2012, oh, then he can let the floodgates go. So, you know, that's why you really never, never heard any uh, criticism of him besides things like Tavis Smiley and maybe Cornell West. I mean, they kind of uh, came at him a little well, bit. Well, they got rid of Tavis Smiley, now didn't they? Very much so because he wasn't towing the party line. And this is all politics. This has nothing to do with race per se. Is in the fact that oh, what's good for black people? It's about what's good for Democrats, and that we are a strong voting block of ninety percent. You know, we turn out I think around like sixty somewhere in the sixty percent of the population, or thirteen million that turn out. And then the key states you got to look at in the South, Florida, North Carolina, South Carolina. Um, these uh, these are the strongholds of um of high ADOS populations. But when you say our progress, we're asking what progress 
So just back to the inside baseball. So we waited for 2012. Okay, okay. He got it. He got elected 2012. Nothing. Not one thing. Isn't that interesting we, that, that there's a similar sentiment with Trump that he's playing right now? Same idea. Okay, we had all these all this crap, you know, been with the with the Democrats, but you elect me now. Oh, why it's going to happen? Right. We, we can't drain the swamp right now. Yeah, it's, you know, it's the, it's the, <laughs> right. It's the, it's, the, it's the. And that's why I said it's a weird. Uh, polar opposites that Obama and Trump had um, where you had MAGA was created by Trump. ADOS is the weird polar opposite of of, um, of MAGA. Right. Um, the way it's being demonized similar to MAGA. Yep. You know, it's, you have these weird things going, but like I said, when we got him back in the office, not we, but when black people got him back in, and they turned out, man, you saw the pictures, you saw the Lines going down around the block. We turned out for him. And you pick transgender bathrooms (laughs) as your heel to die on. Nothing against transgender. I mean, I'm not saying that, but this is how it was perceived to black people. This is the heel you choose to die on. Right. Hey, where's the where's the ADOS hats, man? There's there's the marketing problem. I, I don't know where the paraphernalia is, and I, I want to make it clear: I am <laughs> I am not a card carrying member of ADOS the gotcha. group, but I am lowercase ADOS. And what I mean by that is my parents. You're saying my grandparents are um, are uh, descendants of slaves. I come from a line of of uh, sharecroppers. Um, my great grandfather was a I mean great great grandfather was a uh, sharecropper. I have his books. I mean he was a very intelligent man. He kept perfect records. I mean, so I want to dispel that that myth. You're know, saying that and, and, these and, people weren't intelligent either. And just just to be clear, uh, Ados, you don't have to have both parents descending from slavery, correct? Right, and that's the thing. We're, uh, we're not we, but we're not saying, and I have to say we, but not as the lowercase Ados. We're not exclusive. We're not excluding people. We're saying if you have one parent or half of one parent, you know. <laughs> Um, as long as you have lineage going back, and, and I think that's one of the things going to have to be figured out. How do you split up the money? Who gets what? But that's not the concern of the people cutting the check. And you hear this sentiment, cut the check, because what people want to do is get you in this circle argument of who will get the money and what, where the money come from. Cut the check. That's, that's the mantra. Mm. You know, you want our vote, and we're talking specifically uh, to Democrats because you, you're the ones that got in our vote for so long and came to us empty handed. You only show up the last Sunday before elections to our churches and you say remind us to vote. Uh, and, and I want to go into that part two of that um, the clip we just played. Okay. You ready? And after we have achieved historic turnout in 2008 and 2012, especially in the African-American community, I will consider it a personal insult, an insult to my legacy. If this community lets down its guard and fails to activate itself in this election, you want to give me a good send off? Go vote. Woo! Listen to the tone. Mm-hmm. Listen to the tone. He said it there. Historical voter turnout in 2008 and 2012. And that's what Hillary thought she was going to get. But the problem is she, and and I know we're going back in history, but we got to go back to understand how we're at this point right now, you know, headed into the 2020 election. 
Because when you have a God that didn't give us anything for eight years, and do you show up right for the election? You talk to us like this. It's a personal insult to my legacy. <laughs> if we, my legacy. And then he says, he didn't say my community or our community. He said this community. I'm very, uh, words matter. Words matter. And he didn't make himself inclusive in the community. You know, and then that last line, if you want to wind it back a little bit, he said, if this, you know, if black people don't activate itself, they don't want us engaged. They don't want engagement. They want activation. They can just turn us on, you know, you know, the last quarter or last year out of every four. And then we activate, go vote. And then we were saying we lay dormant and you're saying docile. Hold on a second. In this election, you want to give me a good send off? Go vote. That part? We want to go back further. Go back a little bit further. And an, an insult to my legacy if this community lets down its guard and fails to activate itself in this election. You want to give me a good send-off? Go vote! I always like the, this community. You know, whenever I hear someone say uh, the LGBTQ community, the black community, I'm like, they ain't no fucking community. It's a non-existent right. community. I despise that. But in this case, when we're talking about politics, black politics, mm. It's a monolith. Yeah. Not in thought, but hey, when it comes time, whoever the Democrats pick, that's who you vote for. Or that's the expectation. Right. And surprise, surprise, we're not there anymore. And just one funny thing, just a side note. I know we had the whole uh, Trump uh, rat infested Baltimore yes. thing. I got a quote here from Obama in this same speech. And he says, what doesn't make sense is treating an entire neighborhood as more than danger zones where we just surround them. We ask police to go in there and do the tough job of trying to, of, to contain hopelessness. Um, and then he goes on to say and lift those communities out of hopelessness. And then he expressly says uh, West Philly, West Baltimore, Ferguson. Where was the outrage when he blankly, blankly covered uh, a community like West Baltimore is danger zones and contains hopelessness. Well, that's, you know, that's what the Democrats would call whataboutism. And, but it's true, of course. I mean, the, the, uh, President Trump says all kinds of things that Barack Obama has said, same policies. And, you know, but then that, that's always flipped back and forth. That's American media. That's American politics. But actually, when I heard uh, Charlemagne, the God, talking about this, he brought in something else that just was a real head shaker. Listen to this. So this weekend, he goes after Elijah Cummings, yep. but he didn't go after him and say, and here's my new Marshall plan to save Baltimore and yes. all these other oppressed communities. He pointed the finger and then sat back in the Oval Office. Well, voters say, hold on a second. You've been president. What did you actually do? Absolutely. You're the president of the United States of America. If you think that, you know, Baltimore is a problem, then go fix it. Send some federal aid there. You know, you want to make America great again, then start with Baltimore, you know, but once again, it's just systemic racism and oppression. That's the only, that's the only reason he's having this conversation, but we're letting him distract us from the fact that it started with the conversation about the kids at the border. Like, let's get back to that. Like, don't let him change the subject so easily by talking about Baltimore because Donald Trump don't give a damn about those black kids in Baltimore are those brown kids at the border. I thought this was amazing. You know, he takes it right back to another thing that actually hurts poor black people. Is right. illegal immigration. Exactly. And that's the that's the thing that irritates the hell out of me. While you have the spotlight on the poor black kids in Baltimore, and right. you can say, look, 
the, their conditions is no better than, you know, the ones at the border. No, you want to pivot and say, oh, no, 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 no. Look over there because you know why? Because Baltimore has been democratically ran for almost 40 years. Uh, their representation hasn't done anything to make it better. And that's another thing. You're shining a light on a problem that they don't really want to have a conversation about. And and in the in the oh, in the black social media sphere, there was like, yeah, Baltimore is a crappy place to live. You know, it is. Let's just let's just be honest. Uh, that's why people don't want to live there unless it's gentrified. You know, either you get rid of the poor people, and then yeah, yeah, we can live there. Uh, so, but it, it, it's weird that. Everybody wants to focus on illegal immigration and like you said, and these things that are are detrimental because, I mean, let's be honest, a good portion of black society uh, is in direct competition to illegal immigrants when they come in or immigrants in general, but illegal immigrants, um, you know, uh, to be specific. And you want to bring more here? And that's not out of hatred, but it's like, hey, we're in line first and we have the biggest debt. And if you got money to spare, Hey, throw that in on the check for reparations. I mean, like it's like me on you twenty dollars, not like for twenty years, and I, you know, and I tell you about all the other people I paid back. You know, I still haven't gave you twenty dollars back. Right, right. It's, it's very, very disrespectful. Yeah, it was just it was odd to hear Charlemagne say that, and I'm just like, man, you're really being propped up like a puppet in this case. I mean, there's a uh, there's a very popular guy. You know, he's he's dressed like a black American. He's got his, you know, his crew baseball cap on. He's uh, he's completely in character and really just uh, seemed like he was telling white people what they wanted to hear, which would make sense for that show at that time. Right. And then he has all the he's had all the presidential candidates come on his show. The, uh, the breakfast. Yeah, Club. it's, it's an obligatory stop now. And he throws them softball questions like asking Kamala Harris, does she smoke weed? How does that help us as black people? <laughs> it's well, you know, I, come on, that was funny. It was it, 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 it was funny, but it's like, yeah, you have a guy, um, you have a guy or woman in front of you ask a serious question, but no, that's not what you get. You know, we get this, and, and it's it's very um, they don't take us serious, but they will. They will take us serious once they realize that. And another term you can everybody can Google is tangibles 2020 or tangibles in, in general. The black portion of people that's withholding their vote will not turn out until they see something tangible offered. Tangibles not, 2020, you said? Right. Tangibles 2020 is one of the hashtags mm-hmm. that you can follow. If you don't, if they don't count with something to the table, and I just want to go back a little bit, even I'm saying Mary Ann Wilson was uncomfortable with saying the trillion word. I want to make I want to make that very clear to people and the and saying and the listeners that she couldn't even bring herself to say black people are asking for a trillion dollars. No, she had to softball it and be like, yeah, two hundred billion or five. Yeah, she did billion. walk it back. She did walk it back. That's true. She did walk right, it back. Right, yeah. because if you talk about and and even she said if you add up, you know, if we were promised forty acres and a mule. This is her words: uh, forty acres and a mule. If you do the math, that's trillions of dollars. So just say two trillion dollars if she said plural trillions. So now you're asking us to take a ninety percent hit on what we're owed, <laughs> right? It's the American way, man. Come on, <laughs> shut up. We'll, right. we'll make you whole on the back end. Don't worry about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, 
it, it, just I just want to go back to Charlemagne because I just you know I find him so iconic. And here's what he had said about voting one party or the other. Because you know if if if, if America is in danger. Like, who you think is going to be impacted the most by whatever racist policies, you know, whatever policies that... Are- by the way, he's pretty sure Trump's a racist, just in case you hadn't noticed. Press, whatever policies that marginalize, like, who's next to be in concentration camps in America? It's not going to be white people, I don't think. So if we, if, we, if we know what's good for us, we will definitely go out there and vote. But I don't think it's anything wrong with making sure that the, the Democrats have a black agenda. Like, we've been loyal to the Democrats for a long time, and what have Democrats really done for us? in a real way. So I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, asking Democrats to have a specific black agenda. Don't hit us with the whole a rising tide lifts all boats because we know black people's boat has a hole in it. So, so it, it, doesn't, it doesn't rise with the rest of America. Uh, you know, th- now he's saying what you're saying. Yes, he's saying what I'm saying, but at the end of the day, and I, <laughs> at the end of the day, <laughs> Whoever gets selected, as even if it's Hillary Clinton again, just say she comes out of retirement. Mm-hmm. Could uh, happen. She, it will be suck it up and vote for her. And I, I'm just going to another clip, a uh, super predator. Uh, super predator, yes. In 1994, Bill Clinton wanted to pass a crime uh, legislation, and it was three strikes bill. So if you have- This is uh, what, Young Turks? This is Young Turks, yes. Um, this is uh, during the 2016 primaries. Three felonies, uh, you get a life sentence. Uh, Hillary Clinton was the first lady and aggressively lobbied for it. She gave a speech in 94 uh, defending uh, this piece of legislation. Now, she had many different defenses to it, and some of it were good uh, parts of the bill, including community policing. And here in this clip, she's going to be talking about gangs, not just all kids, not just black kids, but... When they talk about super predators, they almost always meant young African-American kids. And so here is Hillary Clinton talking about what should be done with them. Not just gangs of kids anymore. They are often the kinds of kids that are called super predators. No conscience, no empathy. We can talk about why they ended up that way, but first we have to bring them to heal. Bring them to heal. Very rarely was the term super predator ever used in reference to white kids. Perhaps sometimes in reference to the Columbine kids, but almost always when talking about black kids in inner cities who are in gangs. So I'm giving you the full context. It wasn't just that she was talking about super predators, and it wasn't just regular old kids walking down the street. But was it racially used, that term? Yes, it most certainly was. It was used over and over by Republicans, adopted by the Clintons to scare everybody. Oh, watch out for the super predators. They have no conscience. They have no empathy. We got to bring them to heal. All right. So the reason why I wanted to play this clip was this is during the primaries, and you know the Young Turks were backing uh, Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. So this was an attack ad or attack piece against Hillary Clinton. But once Hillary Clinton was selected as the nominee, they come back to black people and say, "Oh yeah, you know all this stuff we said about her. Forget about that. <laughs> vote, vote for." Her. So I brought that up just to bring up the fact with um with Charlemagne the God. He'll talk all this talk and they'll say, Oh, well, we asked him for something. At least you know we and we got a hearing, you know, to talk about what we could talk about in some our reparations, you know, a meeting to plan a meeting. You know, but when it really talk about getting something delivered, oh well, we did what we could. 
you know, right. but go vote Democrat. Right. This is this is what we get. And it's like, no, you're going to have to promise us something big. Until you do that and you come out and not, you know, be mealy mouth about him. Oh, well, you know, we're going to do something. We are, we're going to, you know, we're going to take care of you or give you program. No. Pay us for debts rendered, I mean, services rendered, and then we can talk. And that's a real sentiment among a large enough popula- uh, population of black um, uh, descendants of slaves and their um, and their allies to withhold our vote and be very damaging to the Democratic Party. Just on the reparations and cut us a check and pay us, um, it's kind of the same conversation that's being had now, being held now about... Um, student debt reparation let's just call it what it is <laughs> because mm-hmm. you got screwed by the government and your school so we're going to give you reparations it's a big promise um and so who does that go to how does that work uh, how much money is it what can you spend it on anything will it help you know, that, what's the thinking on that what's the thinking on that is they think that that could be one, one of the things Charlemagne, Charlemagne the God says, that's one of those um, rising tide lift all boats, boats, but that's not specific enough. No, no, but for, I'm, 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 what I'm saying is, mm-hmm. so all of a sudden, uh, here's a trillion dollars. We're going to give that to ADOS. That's your debt, uh, debt paid. So what are you expecting? What is everyone expecting? And then what is the, what will the learn to, uh, long-term effects of that be? Will it really raise everybody up? Will it uh, will it do good? Or is it like lotto winners? Everyone goes nuts and goes drugging and whoring, and then it's all spent? I mean, what has, has is there any thought about that? To be honest with you, there will be some winners and there will be some losers. Uh, some of the money will, and I, I'm just, I'm a very honest person, some of the money will go back to corporate America. I mean, let's right. just be honest, because it'll be spent um, uh, unwisely, if that's the word, you know, but it'll just be just pissed away. And, you know, but we can't think like that when you're talking about what somebody is owed. You mm-hmm. know, if we're talking about a program to help people, that's one thing. And that's why we really, that's why I said Marianne Williamson to, to you know, redirect Don Lemon, who was a black man, you know, allegedly, um, <laughs> to, you know, come with the service. You know, I think, he, you may, know? he may be fading, man. I don't know. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, that guy has said so many questionable things. But, yeah, don't wor- you can't worry about how that person is going to spend the money when you owe it to him. Now, if you're giving money to somebody. That's different. Right. Because you say, how are you going to spend this money that we set aside to help you? But that's that's why I said the context of what this what reparations really is, is it's owed. It's not not a gift, not assistance. So to be honest with you, yes, some people will piss the money away. Is there? Yes, it will. (laughs) Now, you're right. Um, You're right. Is is there a legal case with the 40 acres and a mule? Is that the right path? Is that the way to go? Is that uh, because I I see inflation? I see how the calculation works. But is is that a can yeah, I think that's the right question. Can a legal case be made that 40 acres and a mule equals this today? Right. So who I was in support of, and he's no longer living, is uh, Johnny Cochran. Back in the 90s, he had a he wanted to go about it in the in saying, in, as a legal action, not a political action. Right. Um, I think that's the me personally. I think that's the best way. 
because you will get you will get better traction and then it doesn't look like a handout. Right. Uh where it gets political at is getting the right judges appointed that have the mindset to support right. uh, legal actions that. So that's what I'm a big you know what I'm saying, uh supporter of is going the legal route. But yeah. What we have to do then is say candidates say, yes, I will appoint judges. It'll be similar to like a Planned Parenthood or, or uh, uh, reproductive rights. What is your stance on this you know, for judges? And then, you know, we appoint the appropriate people. That way, when you get to federal court, you know, it'll it'll be uh, settled in the way it needs to be settled. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it could be I think that's more realistic, but I, I honestly don't think a candidate. Can bring themselves to say the number that would be meaningful enough. Cause I don't think half a billion dollars, half a trillion dollars is not going to get it. Yeah. Half a trillion dollars is not going to, cause even like go back to what she said, $100 um, billion is laughable. Yeah. Insult. It's an insult. Yeah. So do you say two is not? I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. What are you saying? I mean, what are we saying? I don't know. Yeah, I, I got you. I got you. No, it's just, I don't know. It's just that even when somebody is doing well, then they have to, you know, back themselves up because how it would be um, received. But I don't see that with illegal immigration. People come here. And like I said, I, I get it. If I could cross the border illegally and live a, you know, 10x better life, who's to say I wouldn't? I understand it. But for politicians to seriously say, yeah, come here and we're going to give you everything that, you know, the bottom rung of citizens have or more because you were good at breaking the law. I, I, don't, I don't get that, you know, but then when uh, people of my ilk ask for things that, that we feel we deserve, it's like, oh, no, we can't do that. Right. <laughs> yeah, I understand the frustration, which is the whole fascination I have, which has led to this show. I mean, this is stuff that uh, you just don't think about. And I, and to be honest, I don't see any of this talk coming out of uh, Trump, nothing, uh, reparations-wise, and I doubt it will ever happen under a Trump presidency. So here's what I think. I think Trump has hard enough time, and I'm not a Trump apologist, you know, so I understand how he could be viewed as being problematic, but he has hard enough time holding his loosely held together uh, base because his base is made up of many different factions Mm -hmm. of people that he can't, even if he wanted to, he can't take this on. Uh, But as a jab to Obama, once he's, and that's kind of weird thing. Like I said about the 2012 thing, who's to say what Trump would say once he's reelected. Right. I mean, we saw, <laughs> That's true. we saw what, we saw what he's done with, uh, uh, mass incarceration. Yeah. Nobody. I mean, he's trying to get rappers out of jail in other countries. I mean, if you're following the ASAP Rocky yeah, yeah, story, yeah. Yeah, yeah. um, it's like, so it's like, you really can't get your head around Trump. I mean, cause he, he's so unorthodox that you think you can put him in a box over here, but then it's like, that doesn't line up. Right. With that that thought process, yeah, good point, good point. Um, I think just you know, not again on a tangent, but I think he's a hospitality guy. 
And what do they do? <laughs> they give you what good, you want. Such a good point. <laughs> they give you, you want a mint on your pillow? Okay, got it. You know what I'm saying? You want, you know. <laughs> Welcome to Trump, Trump, uh, Trump country. Yeah. Right. Mint so, on I mean, the pillow, he, sir. He's, 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 yeah, he's everything to everybody. I mean, and it's the weird, you know, um, that's why I think he's, he's carving out his base out of, um, out of many different groups. And do you like think he's said, carving out a, a black base? Do you think he has a uh, support, like a, a real well, identifiable support? We talked about this off air, and this is a real sentiment. Donald Trump breathed life back into the black patriarchy. Ah. Because the way patri- patriarchy as a whole was suffering, the fact that, you know, and if I'm going to say it like this, but men could let their nuts hang again. You know what I mean? Because it's like they had rescinded. You know, it's like, oh, I, can't, I can't say that. You know, I can't do that. You can't say any of that either. But okay, I love it on the show. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's how it was like, man, like, I mean, yeah, we don't well, have hold to on. like, the, you know. So the, the, um, the patriarchal hierarchy within, uh, within black families is demonstrably uh incredibly hurt there's a lot of kids growing up who do not have an established father figure around all the time i mean that's that's a fact correct and now let me ask you a question why do you think that is <clears throat> not no. to put you on the spot but well, i just want to no. get an honest answer to what why you think it's not a right answer but why do you think that is uh you know, historically, there's so many different explanations for this, and I've never really taken a position on why, but I would say um, uh, certain welfare programs, I think, were misguided. Uh, yes. Go ahead. Did, fill me in. It started there. It started there. And, you know, that was, there was a thing called uh, no man in the house rule. That's mm-hmm. where if you wanted public assistance, the man had to be removed from the home. Ah, that's this. Yes. Yeah, I, I knew I was close. Right. So you, you, I, just, I just wanted to see what you're saying. Why? Why are we here now where it's acceptable? Um, 75 percent of uh, black children are born in a single parent household. Most of them being led by women. How do we get here? Uh because when you say you can't have a man in a household if you want your kids to eat, that's a governmental, you know what I'm saying? That was a government um, uh, funded and supported. Um, what was uh, this called again, Mom? What was the. Uh... No, no, no man in the house rule, if I'm correct. Okay. Yeah. I, I, did, a, I did a show about this on mm-hmm. um, the destruction of the black family. And this, is, this was a real rule. And then you factor in uh, uh, housing projects. Uh, you know, basically, welfare became the father. The state became the father. This was set know. up in 1968, right? Yes. He, if you go, if you go back, at one time, black uh, two parent households were higher than white two parent households. Yeah. So this was 68, <laughs> and it was the AFDC program, Aid to Families right. of Dependent Children. And there, you had the man in the house rule. That uh, you were not ineligible if there was a man in the house. What was that under? Uh, was that Johnson? Mm-hmm. Yes. And he's a what? A Democrat. Thank you. Yeah, gotcha. 
Ding! I need to get a bill. And <laughs> and 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 he was super racist. I mean, there's lots of evidence of how racist not, he not was. Johnson? No. Yes, he was. What are you talking? I, I'm, about? Being, I'm being. You're being facetious yeah, on me now. I'm okay. Very, very. <laughs> but if you listen to people talk, oh, and I I got attacked. Um, I think I sent you the the um the interaction I had with the guy that called uh Ados. Uh, what was it? Weaponized ignorance. Yes, yeah, yeah. The professor, right? The professor. You know, what I'm saying he's a professor. You know, of Black history and um, uh, other topics. Yeah, he called uh Ados uh weaponized uh ignorance, but his favorite president was uh, Lyndon B. Johnson. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> so that's when when all of these things. It's we're a weird place because with the internet. With all the information that's being, you know, uh, brought to the surface, when you have Malcolm X being against liberals, uh, saying be careful of um, liberals, you know, and the, the the people they bring in front of us as being puppets. Well, he was very clear. He didn't like anybody, especially right. white people. But he said the liberals are worse. Right. He called it the fox and the wolf. Yes. And the thing was, with a wolf, you know what a wolf is about. You know, he, he's going to eat you. Mm. But I mean, like a fox, it'll sneak around. So when you have these things resurfacing and reshaping the way people look at things, the luster has been worn off of what the Democrats had. You know, the spell has kind of been broken. Mm. Um, and that's why you have a segment of society being called ADOS and their allies, they say, you know what? Foundational blacks, I want to make sure I don't want to piss anybody off by not giving their uh, term any love, but, you know... The foundational blacks term? Right. That's another... It's, it's Like I said, ADOS is just a brand. It's like Tupperware. We all call every plastic bowl Tupperware. Tupperware. Yeah. Even, even if it's not made by Tupperware. Got it. Or a copy machine. We call it a Xerox machine, but you know, it's kind of like the term. But what you have is a group of uh, black people say, you know what? We're, we're not falling for it anymore. You know, you, 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 you do it without us. And the Democrats know they can't. So they're between a rock and a hard place. Got it. What else you got here to play? Uh, just one last uh, set of clips. And that's from Fox News. Uh, it was just talking about the importance of black turn. Um, Black uh, voter turnout. In early voting, you can actually tell who is voting, not which way they voted, but who's doing it. In states like North Carolina, the black vote is down 16% from 2012. Listen to President Obama urging black voters, get out there and vote, please. I hate to put a little pressure on you, but the fate of the republic rests on your shoulders. (laughs) The fate of the world is teetering. And you, North Carolina, are going to have to make sure that we push it in the right direction. If Hillary wins North Carolina, she wins. When I said the fate of the republic rests on you, I wasn't joking. 
Ah, pretty strident stuff there. Joining us now, Stacey Washington, host of Stacey on the Right. I think, can I say this? I'm looking at a headline in the Financial Times out of Britain today. It says, Obama rallying cry to black voters as polls show Trump making gains. Now, it seems to me that maybe black voters hold the key to the entire election. Is that right? Is that and right? There ha- and there you have it. Yes, it is. And at, for a very in a, in a very long time, uh, as they say, the rabbit has the gun. <laughs> the rabbit has the gun. So, what what are they going to do? And the thing is, it, we don't have our. And I don't want to speak for all um, of of any group, but we don't have any loyalty to any political party. Whoever would step up and show they want to really, you know, help our community. We'll listen. This is not. This is the but, thing. But is, is we this, have the most leverage with the Democrats. But is all. this really true, Mo? I mean, it, and and why is it different now? Because you know, for the since you know, blacks vote for Democrats. It's just it's just the fact of life. You grow up. It's like you 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 vote. You will vote Democrat. Is it different now because of the internet? Because of you know, different channels of information. It, will it really be different? Is it? Uh, are we just sitting here blowing in the wind? Do you really feel this? So the percentage won't change of who votes and where they how they vote. What will change is the the percentage that turn out. And ah, got it. Uh, in 2012, it was at 66.6 percent. And in 2016, it was 59.6. And that's even before the term ADOS and these reparation demands even begin to happen. So it's not about the percentage of, you know, like I said, uh, you're always going to have 90, high 80s, 90% uh, of who votes, vote Democrat. Mm-hmm. What you're going to not have is, you know, if that thing drops under, say, 55%, 50%, the Democrats will never win another election. And that's just the numbers. That's just the numbers. So it's pretty close. We're within a point or so of that. Of that right. So like I said, in, in 2016, it dropped down to 59.6 and they lost. And that, that's why, that's why I'm, the term I'm talking about, the negative vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, when you're talking about start swinging those over to the other side, uh, I mean, when you hear... A question about reparations being asked at a major political debate that lets you know the climate that we're in. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of sad though. It's not. It's not saying foundational blacks ADOS will vote for this candidate who has their best interest at heart, but they're like they're not going to vote. They're not even going to vote. Or vote for some, or vote to uh, you know for the for the rents too high guy or something like that. But it's it's not really voting for someone they want to stand behind, but it's voting against the established pattern. Right, and the problem that we had was this: when you tell me, I mean, when and it, and I had this argument slash discussion with my dad. He tells me, "You got to vote." You know, your your grandfather stood in line and, you know, and they give you the whole spiel. It's not the, the minimalize it, but you got to vote. All right, Dad, so I'm going to listen to both candidates. No, you can't vote Republican. Right. So it's like, what choice do I have? I mean, like, I thought vote, voting was a choice. So do you, now you don't get, I don't have a choice? Right. 
so that's where this is where we're starting to see people push back. Like, no, you won't force me to make a choice. Treat me like you do everybody else. You know, uh, don't activate me. You know, uh, try to entice me with what you're going to offer me. You know, I mean, farmers get it. Dairy, uh, dairy farmers get it. Um, LGBT gets it. Illegal immigrants get it. They're all enticed by what they're going to get. What they tell us is what, what you heard throughout these clips. It's your duty to save the Republic. You know, <laughs> the whole world's going to end. It's like, what? Why are you putting this kind of pressure on me? Right. <laughs> and without nothing to give us back. No, that, no, no. That's not going to work. Interesting. Uh, but there is an interesting thing that's happening now. I'll brought up the patriarchy. So what you have now is, and you saw this with the, at the essence festival, which is a historically it's not on black owned or black ran anymore, but the essence magazine is the essence. Oh yeah. I I love Camelot at the essence. uh. (laughs) What you have now is, and this is a real problem that the Democrats have. If they have any chance of winning, they either have to have a black candidate for president or no less than a female or a black female candidate for vice president. It has to happen because what they're trying to do now is say, oh, okay, the men, uh, yeah, they're with this whole patriarchy thing. Ah, so we so we start to separate black men and black women. Right, and mm-hmm. the proof I have of that is the Democratic National Committee Chairman Tom Perez called black women, black women specifically, not black people, the black backbone of the Democratic Party. And that was after uh, Doug Jones defeated um, Roy Moore in that special election they had down mm-hmm. in Alabama. Mm-hmm. So now you're starting to see there have a specific pandering like, oh, you know, black woman, you can save us, you know, even though there's no. And, and it's feeding into this ongoing gender war. That's not just, you know, that's across all races of color. We're seeing. Uh, that they're trying to spark up a gender war. Uh, so they're going to feed into that, you know, um, and say, try to make up that seven, six, seven percent number by uh, activating their word, not mine, uh, uh, black women more. So it's really in a sick kind of way. It's back to man in the house rule. That's exactly what it is. Because that works so well. We just need to do a new version of it. Exactly. Uh. It's a dirty game, man. It's a, and, and, <laughs> I think people are sitting around a table and actually talking about this stuff like this. It's like, yes. yeah, I know what we can do. Yeah, yeah, we'll get him. Me personally, yes, I do believe that. For the same reason, I, I pers- this is my personal belief that to destabilize the black community as a whole, and I'm not a person that says that white supremacy doesn't exist. It just doesn't exist in the way we think it is. We think that all, you know, these harmful words is white. No, there's a system that is focused on keeping a group of people at the bottom. You have to have a bottom. You have to have a bottom. So it's like, who, who, who fits that role? Right. Yeah. It's, and, and I think there is a big difference between, um, racist policies, which clearly they're racist policies. And bigotry, which is really ignorance, I would say. You know, I'm ignorant about mm-hmm. a lot of stuff, certainly when it comes to, to black people. The hell do I know? 
I'm learning, but it's, you know, am I bigoted? Sure. Am I racist? No. But bigoted? Yeah, I have all kinds of preconceived notions that you don't even realize. Like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so what drew me into listening to you and uh, John's show is, so once you get out of the whole focusing on one group of people trying to hold the other group of people down, it's the elite. Yeah, always. It's the elite. You know, it's like, you know, we're going to give this guy over here a steak and this guy over here nothing and we'll let them fight over that steak and they won't ever come kill us for the rest of the cow. It's like, what? I mean, that's that's what we're dealing with. And I think when people zoom out, when we have conversations like me and you have the magical conversation, but when we have open dialogue and say, you know, uh, we're suffering just like the people on the other side are suffering. Uh, but then the media points is like, oh, yeah, you know, this coal miner in uh, West Virginia, you know, he's getting you know, a couple more dollars an hour than this guy over here. It's like, but you guys are the one cutting the check and making the wage. You know, why is he? Why is he getting that? Yes. You know, I mean, so it's it's this, it's this the weird dividing um dividing conquer strategy, and we're starting to see it um intra the black community. I mean, we've seen it before, but we're starting to see it. Like I said, pointed out now, it's all black women, right? Um, millennials against the boomers. I mean, you have all these div- divides, man. It's it's like. It's a weird place right now. It, like I said, you have the millennials against the boomers. You have man against woman, uh, liberals against conservative. Well, that's it's not political there. It's that as you, I think you pointed out. I'm not. I don't want to, you know, attribute this to you, but black people are some of the most conservative people. Yes. On certain topics. Yeah. And so when you start trying to bring this. Um, new age, new way of thinking in, that's a natural divide. Uh, that's why I brought up with Mary Ann Williamson that she's going to have a stumbling block, even though she's speaking excellent, excellent on reparations. It's besides her number. Um, when people start to dig into her and her whole spirituality thing, that's not going to, that's not going to fly. I mean, you know, cause as you heard before, this little light of mind, they know black people are, are a, are, spiritually based and not all but you're saying a good amount and when you start playing with that it's not going to work but like like just to go back this is this this weird divide but it's happening on a larger scale as well and when i start listening to you guys show it's like oh it's not just us (laughs) yes and i (laughs) think This may be a good uh, a good point to to stop, Mo. I, I want to pick this up in the next episode, All right. uh, and I think we should talk about the elites and uh, the Soros sisters and all that stuff and this this uh, this apparent um, strategy to divide black men and women to get black vote. I think is uh, is an interesting place to pick that back up, or whatever else happens in the meantime. Right, sounds good. All right, Mo. I think we should uh, we should make a show out of this. I'm here for the uh, for the ride. I'm here for the ride. <laughs> All right, it's Mo Facts with Adam Curry, and uh, we'll see you next time. Distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, friends and enemies, Malcolm X. 
No sell out. Malcolm X. No sell out.